tonight, it is a great opportunity for us to not just hear from me, uh, but tonight my wife, Melissa, will be preaching, and she's here. And um, to give you a little bit of background about Melissa, Melissa's made some bad choices in life, me, me being one of them. <laughs> Jokes. She has a very high uh, sensitivity to the decisions she's made. Um, mother of four children, five, including me. Um, really excited for Mel to preach tonight because um, I think she's just got an amazing insight, amazing spiritual insight into the way God uh, operates, I think even deeper than myself. So I hope you're all blessed tonight. Everyone online, I hope you're all blessed tonight as well. I'll pass on to my wife. Can we appreciate my wife? Thanks, honey. Thank you. Um, it's, it's really an honour and a privilege to be able to uh, come and share with you some thoughts on father, fatherhood and fathers. Um, and so, um, once again, happy Father's Day to all the fathers here. Um, happy, all, happy Father's Day to all the fathers that are uh, streaming in. Um, you guys are the best um, and you wouldn't be a father without your children. So, um, you guys are blessed by your children. So, um, yeah, look... It's, it's a good time to be a dad, I think. Um, but, yes. So, uh, just a quick disclaimer. Um, I was told I have only 30 minutes and I'm going to try and keep to time. And I know that uh, what I'm going to talk about today is not everything. Um, and so I want to make that really clear. Um, and I know that for some uh, fathers, uh, a sensitive topic. Um, so I don't cover everything. I don't cover everyone. There are generalizations. So um, please uh, be mindful of that. Um, but also, I think I would love to share some truths about um, our God. And so that is very much applicable for you. Um, so on the whole, at the Chapel Sydney, Father's Day is very complex. Uh, we have those who celebrate their dads, uh, but we also have those who mourn the loss of their dads. Um, and pretty much every other emotion in between exists on Father's Day. Um, good, bad, we all have a father. If we didn't, we wouldn't be here. Um, and in, it's a very recent development, they say about 1970s, um, that fathers were actually expected to engage in child rearing. Uh, before that time, traditionally, um, child rearing was very much a woman's job um, and the man's job was to provide for the family. Um, but let me just say, I think that this mindset has really robbed dads of their place in the family. Um, so at this point, I just want to really encourage all the dads. Uh, we have Arnie, Steve, Kuhn here, um, and I know all the dads are streaming in. Keep going, guys. Um, you know, your influence on your children, um, it's paramount. And I know that it's hard, and for men, um, sometimes engaging and dealing with your kids is really unnatural, um, but you will make the world of a difference in your child's life. So the worst thing you can do is stop, so don't stop, keep going. Um, so let's go on. It's an understatement, really. It really is an understatement to say that fathers don't play a part in a child's life. Um, studies have shown that an engaged father in a child's life um, can uh, increase um, the kid's emotional, social and intellectual abilities. Fathers are not just breadwinners. Their involvement is crucial for a child's health. 
And this is the same for their spiritual formation. Simply put, the image we have of a father is primarily formed by our dads, and this will naturally project onto our Heavenly Father. Now, this may be a good thing if, if you had a healthy relationship with your dad, okay? He probably did a lot of groundwork for you so that when you came to meet God the Father, it was really easy for you to accept God as your father. So Steve, he had a relatively stable upbringing. Um, Sure, Steve's dad is not perfect, um, but he was a constant in Steve's life. He was always available for Steve, um, and he was committed to the family and to the faith. So when 12-year-old Steve meets Jesus, gets introduced to God the Father, Steve has very little or no objection about receiving this good figure in his life. Um, The positives far outweigh the negatives, and so when... God the Father is introduced, Steve is like, yes, this is something that I want. But this is not the case for all of us. Most of us carry wounds from our family and our fathers. Um, When I met Jesus for the first time, uh, and I was 16, the idea of God being my father was, well, it triggered lots of uncertainty in me. My dad was a kind man uh, when he was around, but he wasn't around much. Um, And because of his absence, there was a large gap uh, in my understanding about what what a father is and what a father should be. That was close. (laughs) Um, It was really hard to tell for me um, if he really loved me, if he just simply tolerated my existence. if he felt responsible for me, um, but a deep, genuine connection. Um, that's probably something that I didn't have. So let me tell you, when um, I was told that God was my father, I didn't jump for joy. Um, and you know what? Maybe your relationship with your dad isn't complex and, and, and it's not painful, but Your ability to embrace God the Father is bound by what you think and feel about fathers. In many ways, we limit God as our Father because of our own hurts and preconceptions. So if you had a yes daddy, okay, you know, dad that always says yes, you're going to struggle when God says no. If you had an absent daddy, okay, you're really going to have a hard time trusting God. If you had an abusive daddy, okay, then you're going to project that anger onto God. And if you have a passive daddy, then you will not believe that God can protect you. These are just some examples. You know, over the years, through your life, through your experiences, you have created an image to help you understand this term, father. And I would like you in this moment to think about what that image is for you. Just think about it. What is this image? What is that that comes into your mind when you think of father or dad? You know, I have personally learned how much uh, my own dad has shaped the way that I see um, and relate to God. You know, I realised why I have such a hard time believing that God is always with me, um, trusting him and really embracing God, um, and really embracing that God is good to me all the time. Um, 
And secondly, I realised that uh, my own brokenness uh, was something that only God could really heal and make whole. Anyway, regardless of what you think and feel, uh, God our Father is good, gracious and greater. So my prayer today is, is the seemingly very normal and common terms that we use about God uh, will find a new depth and meaning in your lives today. Um, so can I invite you to pray with me? I know that it's a little bit of an awkward time, but I would love to pray before I talk about these things. So let's pray. Uh, Father God, we, we want to know you afresh today, um, that you are good, that you are gracious, and that you are great. Lord, let it be not just words um, that we hear, but may it be truth that is spoken over our lives. I pray that, um, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to really um, use this time to instill in your children that you are their father, that you are good, that you are gracious, and you are great all the time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Slides, are we ready? Awesome. Thank you. So, he is a good father. Okay? Um, he, is not, he does not just do good. Okay? He is good. Okay? So, the dictionary says good means to be morally righteous or to be of benefit or advantage to someone. So in God's goodness, he provides for us. In God's goodness, he withholds from us. In God's goodness, he embraces us. And in God's goodness, he disciplines us. So Proverbs uh, chapter 3, verses 11 and 12 reads this. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. That's Proverbs 3, verses 11 to 12. So, being a good father is, be, is about being a father that that particular child needs. Not once, needs. So, a father can be a friend. A father can be a teacher, a protector, and a provider. A father can be funny, serious, boring, active, whatever. That's what a father can be. But he can't be just one of these things. And he can't be everything that the child wants. A father needs to be what a child needs. So no child, I have four, no child ever wants to be disciplined. Never. But the good father knows that to withhold discipline right now would actually ruin the child. And most fathers, they don't get this discipline thing right. You know, they sit on either extreme. They either don't discipline, which is just lazy, and the other side is all they do is discipline, and that's just abuse. See, neither extreme is good because both extremes are harmful for the child. So if as a father I choose to turn my eye on something, you know, my kid needs to be disciplined for it, but I really can't be bothered. You know, I've had a long day, and to follow through with, you know, the threats that I said is just so seems. I'm just like, I don't want to deal with the discipline. I don't want to deal with the tears. I don't want to deal with the tantrum. So for my sake, I just let it go. For my peace, just let it be. I just turn an eye. And if all I'm doing as a father is scolding my kid, 
okay? Correcting my kid constantly. Okay, something is not right too. I mean, and there's a whole complex array of why, um, you know, people are driven either way. It could be anger. It could be, you know, seeing your own weaknesses displayed in your children. The list is endless, but neither extreme is good. Neither extreme is healthy. The best advice that I received about discipline uh, is this. Don't discipline a child because they are naughty. Discipline a child because they are disobedient. Expect children to be naughty. They are naughty. But obedience needs to be taught. And actually, both extremes of none or too much discipline is actually a reflection of the own insecurities and wounds of the father. It's not really a response to the child as such, but it's a reaction coming from a place of hurt uh, and selfishness of the dad. But God, God, he is good. And because he's not trying to be liked by us and he's not projecting his own issues onto us, he's able to love with good discipline. Here's the truth. A good father is one that actions all things, all things for the benefit of the child. And God is that good father. So maybe you're a dad and you need to learn how to do this discipline thing. Or maybe you're a child and your dad just did not get this, this one right. That's okay. We learn from the Father. We learn how to be good. We learn and know that he is good to us constantly. Because no discipline seems pleasing at the time, but we know that discipline will yield a fruit of righteousness. But God doesn't just discipline us. In his goodness, he engages with us because he is gracious to us. So God, he is gracious. Uh, can we get the memes up? Yeah, here we go. First meme. So this is a text message to my dad. This is not actually me. I say, happy Father's Day, Dad. And the dad replies, are you a doctor yet? He goes, lol, no, not yet. And the father goes, then it's not happy Father's Day, just Father's Day. <laughs> the next one, please. Oh. Um, Asian dads be like, okay. There are, there are actually nine emotions, uh, but they all have the same face. Um, so, Asian dads. Typically, emotionally disconnected, relationally challenged, frugal and competitive. Maybe to add a few more. Son favoritizing, uh, saving face driven and proud. <laughs> Pick and choose. Your dad might not be all of these things, but he's definitely got something like of this going on in his life. But God, God is not like these. Um, can we look at Psalm? Yeah. Psalm 103, verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. And 13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Amen. Thank you. God, his expression to us is constant. He's not silent. 
He is not always mad and he's not far. He desires to draw near to you and he understands you. He is competent and able, both strong and gentle. He is not waiting for you to become something or someone. He accepts you for who you are. See, God being gracious to us in essence is this. God is engaged with you. God is present with you. He knows. He knows you. He knows that you need mercy. He knows that you need love. He knows that we are anger-inducing beings, so he knows that he needs to be patient with us. He knows that we are but dust, and he knows that he is God and grace. And grace is the way that he connects as a father to you. See, grace is not just um, this thing about with God in eternity far, far away, okay? And it's not just a ticket out of hell. But it's this grace that enables us to speak with him, to talk, uh, the same thing, walk with him, to relate with him, to commune with him today. See, when the Bible says that God is gracious to his people, this is the action of God drawing into our midst. He is drawing into our lives, into personal and intimate relationship with him. And this grace is available for you. See, God wants to be in close relationship with you. He knows you and he wants you to know him too. And this is often a very foreign concept to us with Asian dads who you can't tell whether they're happy, mad or sad. With Asian dads that are only focused on what you will become a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer, it seems. But God is not like that. God is very much interested in who you are and he knows. He knows you and he doesn't expect things from you that's not you. The final point is that God is greater. So Exodus 14, 18 to 20. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. That's not the passage that I have. (laughs) Sorry, technical difficulties. I'm just going to say it. That's okay. Let's take that down because that's not our passage. (laughs) Um. Maybe it's the reference, maybe it's the comms girl, but let's, let's just say it was me. Exodus, <laughs> I'm going to read it. I'm going to be slow so you guys can understand. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. In accordance with your great love, forgive the sin of these people, just as you have pardoned them from the time they have left Egypt till now. The Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. Is it me? Sorry. Um, So even if you had a great dad, okay, I've been talking about some poor father people, you know, in the past. God is still greater. He is 
a better father than any father can be. He loves perfectly with the immaculate balance of kindness and anger. Now, I use this word, anger, very intentionally. Do you know that anger is not a sin? Let that really sink in because some of you avoid anger like a plague and others of you indulge in anger like a chocolate cake. But anger is not sin. See, the passage reads that God is slow to anger. It doesn't say God does not anger. And the greatness of God is highlighted in this. God perfectly masters anger. You know, anger at its core is an expression of, hey, that's not right. Hey, I'm against that. So, you know, generally anger, though, is, is played out a lot more complicatedly in our lives. But at the heart, the desire of anger is to protect something good. So, you see, anger is a good thing. But... It's usually driven by selfish or partial judgment, and that really messes things up a lot. I mean, we all get angry. But how many of us can confidently say that you have mastered anger? For most of us, anger is like a switch, bam, and that's it. You've said stuff or you've done stuff, you've thrown the punch, it's all good, done, dusted, damage. And there's, what I've said, there's explosive anger, but there's silent anger. You know that chill? Like they're not saying anything, but they're looking at you and you're like, that person is killing me with his eyes. We all get angry. And children, do they know how to make you angry? You know, whether it's the same question for the 50th time, or maybe it's an accidental kick in the privates, spillage of a branded cosmetic or drink of choice, or peeing on your new bed sheets or the church pews. (laughs) For such a small little human, they can produce so much anger. It's amazing. And in those moments, can you really say you did not sin? Sure, maybe you didn't actually kill the kid. But did you think it? Of course you did. You thought about it many times. You thought about how you could do it and get away with it. Okay, and if it's not your kid, it's someone else's kid, that other kid that's crying on the airplane, the other kid that's holding up like the massive lines to get into coals these days, you thought it. You sinned. Anger got the better of you. But God. Out of the multitude of times the Israelites complained, he did not meet them with sin. He met them with forgiveness. And do you know uh, what I think makes God really great? Is his ability is his ability to endlessly forgive. Sometimes to the point where it's like, are you serious? Again? 
but he is so quick to forgive. And it's because of this forgiveness that we are able to see his strength and his might in our lives. Without this forgiveness, we would not even be able to see a glimpse of his glory. There is never a moment in our lives that God hasn't been good to us, whether you know it or not. There hasn't been a moment where he has not extended his grace to us, whether you believe it or not. And he is always, always greater than our strength and our sin. Our God is not just um, great in power, but in his unconditional forgiveness towards us. See, guys, wounds. We talked about wounds from our fathers or whoever. Wounds can't be erased. But they can be forgiven. Forgiven because we have a great God. Forgiven because we have been forgiven. And that makes us able to forgive. Forgiveness. What a painfully liberating word. Friends, whatever grievances you have with your dad, forgive. Do it so that you can wholeheartedly receive who God is to you. So that you aren't bound by something that taints who the Father is to you. But maybe you sit on a different side with this whole dad thing. Maybe you have a good dad. And you're like, "Mm, this doesn't really apply to me. Like, my dad's a good dad. And you know what? I do. I really do want to celebrate the really lovable but human dads. You know, there are some really godly men in our community um, and in our midst that who strive to be the best fathers they can be. Men who are well-aged but still working super hard to provide for their grown children. Men who tirelessly exhaust everything that they have. Men who make every effort to put a smile on your face. Men who pray fiercely for their loved ones. To those who have this kind of dad, please take every moment to appreciate them. You have a rare gem that others can only dream of. And know that for your dad, who is a good dad, okay, they fight themselves daily to be the best person they can be for their child. So even though I have a complicated relationship with my dad, I have come to think that he's wonderful. You know, over the years, uh, his hair started to become white and sparse. You know, the fine lines on his face uh, became more prominent. He seems less driven and more easily tired. And I know that one day, he will breathe his last. I mean, I think and pray that he's still got a while to go. But I realise that he's not the Superman dad I knew as a kid. Time and time again, I realised, oh man, he's just a person. (laughs) 
that he is just as broken as I am and that he desperately needs a saviour just like me. And, you know, even to the guys that who have a bad or poor or not-so-good father, you know, they are someone's son. And they probably had a super complicated relationship with their own dad. And, you know, this is not to excuse their behaviour. But if you understand their story, it's easier to understand them. Because there's just a person too. Friends, what has happened has happened. It has shaped you. Just know this. Don't be ignorant. Don't shove it under the covers. But don't make it a huge big deal either. Because God is so much greater than our earthly dads. Because our God is a good father, we can trust him. Perhaps you're going through a season of discipline or of great provision. Either way, whatever you're going through, God knows and he's in control. He is a father that you need in the good and in the hard. So don't resist the seasons you go through. Rather, with open hearts and hands, wait and see the goodness of God come through. Because God is a good God and he can be trusted. Because our God is a gracious father, we can engage with him. You know, in his grace, he drew near to us. So let's draw near to him. Each day, each moment, invite him to be a part of your lives because he cares. There is nothing too small that's going on in your life that he'd be like, that's really not that important. Accept his invitation to be in relationship with you and continue to invest in that daily. He cares for you. Because our God is greater, we can obey him. Through the forgiveness of God, he broke the greatest chain that holds mankind down. Death. So the power of God is in that. He didn't just, you know, <laughs> sorry, I lost my place. The power of God is in his forgiveness. It's not that he didn't want justice, but in his greatness, he dealt with it himself. He forgave us. You know, when you obey someone, Essentially, you are saying this, you are more powerful than me. You are stronger than me, smarter than me, and you definitely know more than me. So I really better do what you're saying. Obedience is that. And because God is greater, your obedience will be proof of that truth in your life. And we do this not because it's forced, but we do this out of relationship because he is a good and gracious Father. You know, when Steve turns up to a soccer game or a dance recital, there is this uh, peace and power that comes over our kids. Um, and in reality, Steve does nothing. Steve does nothing to help them win the game or does nothing to help Anna dance better. But it's weird because they have this assurance that really propels them to their full potential. 
So uh, Steve read my sermon because um, he proof-checked it and um, I think he read this part so he was really committed to turning up to all the soccer games this week. <laughs> but it's true though. The kids see Steve. They see their dad and I'm like, yeah, I got this, even though they might not be that great. And it's the same for us. Because of our Father, we can live with that assurance. There is power of a Father in his mere presence because of who he is, because he is good, because he is gracious, because he is great, and that is your Father. Independent to our earthly dads, whether he is with you, whether he is not, whether you still talk to him, or whether you don't. You have this heavenly Father that wants to propel you in your life. We celebrate all dads today, the good, the not so good, and all that's in between. Remember, your dad has a story too. He has wounds. He is not perfect. And, you know, I really want to believe that our dads, to the best of their ability, knowledge, and strength, they tried. And maybe that wasn't enough for us. But let's not take away from the fact that they deeply and genuinely probably tried to be the best dad that they could be. But more importantly... And I finish with this. We have a heavenly father that loves us perfectly. And today, let's celebrate him and let's thank him. Why don't we take a time of prayer um, to really think and pray over these things?